And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, it's Civilized Barking. It's week 17. It's winning in for the Browns. What more could you ask for? Well, maybe to leave your house, but anyway, uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for following. It's been a heck of a ride. Uh, it was a really fun ride until last Sunday at 1 o'clock. The Browns crashed. Um, but Christmas miracles do happen. Um, the Steelers came out of their winter slumber and beat the Colts, allowing the Browns to really get a free pass for some crappy circumstances and a crappy performance, let's be honest, um, and get really all you could ask for, right? The Browns have 10 wins. The Browns have proven themselves a real NFL team. Um, and that, that's been few and far. And they get a chance to not only beat the Steelers and get in, but they only have to beat Mason Rudolph to do it. So um, we'll see what happens. It's Wednesday morning as we record this, guys. So the big story, obviously, is the COVID thing. Uh, I don't want to say outbreak, but the Browns have nine guys on the COVID list as we talk right now. Now they're expecting six of them to be off by the time they hit the practice field Thursday. Uh, but the other big story right now is you await practice in a few hours on Wednesday afternoon. Will Wyatt Teller be there? Um, The guy's really good, and the Browns offensive line is really good when it has Wyatt Teller, and the Browns offensive line is somewhere between stinks and okay without him. So even against the Steelers' JV team, you need Wyatt Teller. Um, You need him to be healthy. Coming off an ankle, his second injury of the year, you just don't know. So that's what we're tracking in addition to the COVID stuff, which is scary, which is nerve-wracking, and which costs the Browns last week um to talk about it my colleague in pittsburgh and i don't really like this guy too much but we might be doing this again next week um mark caboli welcome back to civilized barking you you know what zach if there was like a radio button that made a noise all your fans now just clicked it off because they heard that i'm your guest so no, they don't really you, have anything to do. They're 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 interested. Um, they're locked. If, you, if your ratings were good before, your numbers are, they're going to be bad this week. Because me and me and Cleveland fans aren't the. I don't know if we get along very well. I enjoy them. They just don't enjoy me. Yeah, um, reminds me. I need to get the whip around together. Anyway, um, we do thank you guys for following along. It is fun, um, Mark. Uh, you know, we'll get to the circumstances of this game, but. Because they were playing like on Tuesday afternoon and Monday night, um, I watched the Steelers every snap for three weeks, and they stunk. Uh, I was only tracking the Steelers last week because they played on Sunday the same time the Browns did, and they were losing 21-7. So what changed, what brought them out of their funk, allowed them to beat the Colts, um, help out the Browns, and and clinch the AFC North title? That's a good question because I think – they don't know either. I mean, we're even looking at the first drive of the second half where finally their offense start clicking around a little bit. They went to no huddle and was able to move it down the field. Then all of a sudden you get to the one-yard line and 
the same bugaboo pops up and they can't get in four times from the one yard line, turn the ball over. It's 24 seven. There's 10, you know, I think it's nine minutes left in the third quarter and you're down three scores. But I think finally what happened is I think the receiver started to make some plays. There was like plays being made. You saw the Deontay Johnson touchdown catch to make it 24, 14. Um, they got uh, some, let's not sugarcoat it here. They got some breaks, Zach. They had like three pass interference calls. Uh, they had a big play by the Colts right before the half to come back. That was like 70 yards. That would have been a really a dagger into it. And, and they finally got some confidence. I think, I think the offense, I mean, the offensive line started to play a little bit better. The confidence was there. The receivers were making some plays. And the quarterback, Roethlisberger, has always been – he's been good. He's been okay to good. He hasn't been what we've all heard where everybody's saying he's done, the arms falling off and all that type of stuff. That, that was never the case. It was just an easy excuse for uh, at least Steeler fans and national media type. It never was that case. So uh, I think he – really started, like I said, making plays. And they got a lot of confidence, and you have to give it to their defense. Their defense shut out the Colts in the last, whatever it was, 25 minutes of the game. But but you're talking about four straight games, Zach, and a half that they played awful. And I don't know if one half makes up for it. It, it helps because, you know, obviously they get uh, the division championship, but – I don't know if you're going into a playoffs of if they struggle this week, which they're not going to play many people of note, then you're looking at five game, five and a half out of your six games that you're probably playing like crap. And I don't know if that's a good way to go into the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm seeing on Twitter that the Browns facility is closed this morning. So um, we might be borderline crisis. We'll cover that on the site. We won't spend too much time here. Um, Mark, that being said, let's just get right to it. You know, obviously the Steelers don't care, and and I I actually laughed when when Tomlin said we're going to airmail some guys to the playoffs. It's an older team. It's ten guys over thirty. The linemen have been around forever, and they're so important on both sides. Is there anything to the thought that the Steelers just want to tank this one to make sure they play Cleveland in Week eighteen? I, I don't think it's want to tank. That's not how they go about their business. What you got to recall is, and I'm sure a lot of people do know this, is they didn't have a bye week. Not a legit bye week where they were able to just, you know, disengage from everything and go sit on the couch for four or five days. They had a bunch of days off before that Ravens game, which, but it was supposed to be a short week. Then it turned into, you know, keep pushing it back, keep pushing it back, and they kept having to practice. Earlier in the season, they lost the bye week to Tennessee when they were told on a Friday that they weren't going to play. So they needed some time down here, not only physically, but just to some of the mental aspects of the game that some of these guys just seem tired. You saw that over the past month. And like you said, there's some critical parts of this team that don't need to play on Sunday at all. Obviously, Roethlisberger's out, and that's a smart decision. They don't need him even thinking about football for a week. For a week, I mean, other guys too. Pouncey, who will probably not play. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to play 
Zach, I think what you're going to see is not a lot of people being inactive because they do got three injuries that could play a role in that of who they who they sign, who they dress, and who they don't dress. But I think if we look at the snap counts at the end of the game, you know, Sunday night, Monday morning, we're going to see a lot of low numbers of key players like David DeCastro, Pouncey, probably Juju Smith-Schuster on the defensive side of the ball. You're looking Hayward to it, potentially Watt. I mean, Watt has some personal goals to get to, so that might keep him around for a little bit. But he's been banged up, you know, better part of half the season. and could use some time off as well. Minka Fitzpatrick, these are all the guys – that have been nursing some injuries or age or, or something, some guys you cannot afford to lose if you think you're going to have any shot in these playoffs. So I don't think it has much to do. You think the Steelers want to go up there and lose to the Browns and give them a free pass? I don't think that's the case whatsoever. I think they're just basically looking out for themselves. Right. Um, Deontay Johnson, you know, nobody drafts, and develops receivers like the Steelers, a third round pick from Toledo. He's really good. And then all of a sudden he couldn't catch a ball. What's going on there? That's a good, good idea. Good question there, Zach. I mean, it was a better part of three games. He couldn't catch the ball and it coincided with some of the colder weather that the Steelers were playing in all of a sudden, but that doesn't make any sense whatsoever from a guy who played in Toledo, his whole collegiate career. I don't know if that was it. Once again, that had to do a lot with confidence as well because it just – you could tell it was bothering him that he was thinking about it. You saw that early in the Buffalo game that he dropped two of the first three passes of the game and it was in his head and they benched him. They actually benched him for an entire half because of the struggles that he had. I mean, you hear all the excuses in the world. Like, that was the time – where they weren't really practicing much because, um, well, you know, they were playing on Tuesday, they were playing on Wednesday, they had games postponed, that, that they really didn't get a lot of work on the field. I just think it was something where he struggled just for a little bit, and now it seems like he's back where he's at. I don't, you know, it's almost like case of the yips if you play golf. Once you get through it, you're okay. But while you're in the midst of it, it looks really, really bad. And it was really, really bad. We're looking like, I mean, a nine, ten drops in a three, four game span. That's just unheard of in the National Football League, especially a guy of that talent. But he had that big catch, which which really started the turnaround against the Colts there in the midway through the third quarter that really propelled them to the win. So he's a guy that will be out there, and he's a guy that needs to be out there and continue to play. So, I just have six drinks when I'm on the golf course, but that's not an option <laughs> for Deontay to uh, <laughs> ease that. <laughs> I'm going to um, need to go golfing with you, Zach. The, let's stick with this week before, before we look ahead. Um, this is not a question mark. This is a statement. Question I, this mark. has nothing to do with what happened last November. Mason Rudolph just stinks. Like, there's a 99% chance the Browns win this game. You know, Zach, you go back to his rookie season, and he didn't even have a – he didn't practice whatsoever. I mean, we're talking about a third quarterback here who never played in a game, didn't have a quarterback coach, and barely took reps 
in practice, and all of a sudden, two games into the season, he's your starting quarterback moving forward. They took it pretty slow with him and um, really tried to minimize what they asked him to do last year. And he was gradually getting better and better and better and better. Then all of a sudden, he goes up to Cleveland, and they just whack him around a little bit. I mean, not even talking about Miles Garrett incident before that. Then I think the Miles Garrett was just something on top of that that really got into his head. I don't think it was tough for him to handle that situation the prior, the previous, the following week, my fault. And uh, he was really, he thought he was bad in Cleveland. You should have saw him bad in Cincinnati the week later. They got him pulled in the second half to have uh, the, the birth of the, the duck era here in Pittsburgh. And um, I think that was the big issue. Then, but if there's one plus to the situation for for Mason Rudolph, you got to give him credit for last year was he was able to come back, replace Duck in the Jets game late in the season, and actually play pretty well until he got hurt. I believe he hurt his shoulder and was lost for the season there. So maybe he can play off of that. There's no preseason obviously this year. There was. He was in the game maybe two or three times this year, but he never went through and passed, I don't believe. So it's going to be interesting to see how much they actually put on his plate. But it's, it's a great opportunity for him. Everybody thinks he stinks. Everybody has no confidence whatsoever in him, as in the outside world. Now he's a free agent after next year. Do you keep him around as your number two? It's the perfect, perfect way to go out there and not only thumb your nose at Miles Garrett and the Cleveland Browns and knock them out of the playoffs, but you can potentially keep your spot around on this team for some while. So there's some big stakes here for Mason Rudolph. Mark, I've covered the Browns for 20 years. I have a PhD in bad quarterbacking. He stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that, Jack. Don't say that, Zach. If you covered it, uh, this league long enough, you see crazy things happening, like the Jets beating the Browns because the Browns can't run the ball. So um, anything can happen. So Mason no, Rudolph right. can come out and I, I put did, up well, 300 yards. Okay, those are two separate things. Absolutely anything can happen in the NFL. Absolutely Mason Rudolph stinks. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just what it is. All right, speaking of strange things, Mark, just this season – Baker Mayfield became the winningest quarterback in First Energy Stadium. He passed Ben Roethlisberger. The most dubious record in sports, really, to me. Um, is that ever brought up in Pittsburgh? Did you know that? What's What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that is very uh, <laughs> prevalent here in Pittsburgh. People like to bring that up, or they're not going to forget something like that. I don't think they much say anything now since Baker has passed that record. I was just wondering, uh, Zach, I was watching draft day last night. It was on like at midnight. Who was the quarterback for uh, the Browns? And I know they wanted who? Bo Callahan or something? <laughs> Whoever their previous quarterback, how many wins did he have at First Energy Stadium? <laughs> Maybe he's like third on the list. I don't know. But that's an interesting stat that you're just glad is probably not around anymore. But I'll tell you another stat that Browns fans probably won't forget anytime soon. They passed on T.J. Watt <laughs> in the first oh, round. Oh, yeah, David Njoku, uh, one spot ahead of T.J. Watt. Yeah, people know that. <laughs> so I think people will not forget forget that. And I believe there's another 
tight end in 2004 that they took instead of Ben Roethlisberger, right? So uh, yeah. those are the things the Steelers fans like to uh, bring up when it concerns the Browns. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, you know, I, I know they had the line shuffle. Why haven't they been able to run the ball? Because that, that to me, is most alarming for, for them going forward. I mean, obviously, they're, they have these receivers, and I don't think the Browns can cover them. Right. Um, But why haven't the Steelers been able to run it? There's a lot of reasons why. First of all, I mean, they've been banged up. Um, Pouncey's been out here and there. DeCastro's had a knee injury since week one, and he's been playing god-awful lately. He's a Pro Bowl uh, guard here. So, I mean, they've had three or four different left guards. Um, they got a new right tackle. I mean, they had Zach Banner, then he got hurt week one, so they had to put Chukes of core for him. Um, it's just been an absolute mess. And I don't know how much, honestly, the fact that they want to run the ball. They want to run the ball in situational where, you know, third and short, four and short goal line situations, which they've really struggled at. But I don't know how much how interested they are in running the ball. You know, Browns like 30, 40 times a game, 150, 200 yards. They feel that their their run game alternatives is what they call them. Some of those short passes are just as effective as running the ball. So the running back's not the best in the world either. Connor's been hurt. Benny Snell hasn't had much experience. You throw that all together, and it's just it's just been a mess. I mean, the craziest thing about it, Zach is the first. I think they've had hundred yard rushers five of the first six games. Um, so I think their last hundred yard rusher might have came against the Browns and, and James Conner. So it's just a multitude of issues there. And I think the most, the one that's big is they're getting a little older. 
And I don't think there's a ton of talent. I mean, you got Alejandro Villanueva that left tackle has been really bad. You got a couple guys banged up. You got Kevin Dodson, a guy that wasn't even invited to the combine last year. Is your starting left guard? I'm not saying he's not decent, and the college folks messed up on him. But we're still talking about a guy that a fourth round pick is your starting left guard, and he's their best option. So. There's just been a lot of different issues, and I think the bigger one is that I don't think they care. They run the ball very much, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the defense is still good, Mark. They've had some significant personnel losses, not just Dupree, but they've had to shuffle some guys in and out for a couple weeks, do some different things. Uh, I think it was really left on the field too much in much of December. Is this Steelers defense still good enough for them to win a couple games in January? Yeah, I think their defense is – getting better. I mean, the the issue was during that span where they lost uh, three three in a row was their inside linebacker position was an absolute mess. They lost Devin Bush against the Browns back in October. Then they bring in Spillane, Robert Spillane, and everybody remembers him from knocking Derrick Henry out in the hole with the goal line you know, the following week. He gets hurt. Then all of a sudden, Vince Williams, their veteran, goes on the COVID list, before you know it, you're starting Avery Williamson, who you just acquired a month or so before that, and a safety, Marcus Allen, who they just made a linebacker in August. When that's the only two guys you have, that was an issue. Vince Williams came back, and Avery Williamson uh, played all the snaps last week, and they were a lot better. Spillane might come back this week. So that would have been, been a problem. They've had some other little injuries. Hayden was gone for a game for a concussion. Steven Nelson was gone for a game here and there. But the, the Dupree's loss has been significant. I mean, we're talking about a you know 18 to $20 million per year rush edge guy that's all of a sudden being replaced from a rookie from Charlotte who just is learning the position, Alex Highsmith, he's getting better, and he had his best game against the Colts, and he pressured Phillip Rivers a lot in that second half against, you know, a pretty doggone good offensive line in the Colts, even though both their tackles were missing. The interior was pretty good there. So I think the injuries have played a lot. And you know what else has been an issue through that span was they were on the field a whole ton. The offense were going three and out, three and out, three and out. Before you know it, you look at time of possession, the defense is on the field 10 more minutes than the offense. And I think that wore them down a little bit. They're not nearly as good as they were, you know, the last time the Steelers and Browns played. I mean, that was that was first-round, 10th overall pick, Devin Bush and Bud Dupree, two first-rounders, creating havoc in that game. So they're still very talented across that front seven, or at least, you know, the three down linemen, the two outside linebackers, that front five type of situation. Their corners are pretty solid. Joe Hayden's still hanging in there. He's still playing pretty well. And, you know, Minkus, Fitzpatrick, Minkus, Fitzpatrick. But as long as those inside guys stay healthy, but the problem is, is there is those guys are very similar in Williamson and Williams where – you can exploit them in the run game. They, they're more of a, you know, 1990s type of downhill inside linebackers that you saw all the time. They're not these hybrid type guys. So if you have guys can exploit those guys, 
that's where the matchup problem has been. But they're good. I mean, they're still good. It's just a matter of they're not as good as they once were just because of the injuries they've had to suffer for. You know, uh, Watt and Miles Garrett are probably going to be 2-3 in the NFL Defensive Player of the Year race, and they're both out of this galaxy, guys, right? But going back to that first game, I thought Bud Dupree was the best player on the field, so that's a, that's a huge loss. Yeah, you know what's happening is uh, you're having the line – you're having people chip TJ Wattmore. You're having, uh, you know, just a tight end lined up there to give him some headaches from here to there. The line is shifting that way or to, to make it a little bit more difficult for him. It opens things up for Alex Highsmith, who is talented, but you're looking at a guy who's six games into his career. You can't expect what a guy who's been really, really good for two years and Bud Dupree, a guy who's been around six or seven years to be able to to mimic what he's been able to do. I mean, what Dupree was good was, which might come into play this week, is that he sets the edge better than probably any, you know, outside guy in the league. I and mean, when you're run, or when you have a running game like the Browns potentially can throw out there with Hunt and Chubb, you, you need that. And I don't know how good Highsmith is at that. So, uh, you know, he is a pretty significant loss. And um, I don't know. I just don't know if Highsmith can hold up at the point of attack as much this week. as I don't think he's been asked to do that a whole heck of a lot. On the Browns, I'm going out there and testing him early and often in this game. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, Mark, um, you know, it's it's not a meaningless game. It feels like a given that the Browns are going to win, and I know people listening in Cleveland are like, shut up, shut your mouth, quit saying Mason Rudolph stinks. <laughs> um, like, who who's a young guy from the Steelers that we don't know that, that might, and, and, you know, this is not to say that the Browns will launch another career like they did for James Harrison 16 years ago, but who, who are a couple of young guys from the Steelers that, that might really benefit from this experience and – is there anything else that they can get out of this game other than just trying to get the hell out of it healthy? No, I think that's number one key to get out of there healthy. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm sure they want to prevent the Browns from going to the playoffs just for the fact that, you know, it's the Browns. Of course, that's what they want to do. But I don't know, Zach, of, of a couple of players that could, you know, show up. I know in 20, 2004, Steelers were 14-1. Yeah, heading into the season finale and at Buffalo. Buffalo need to win to get in. Steelers sad everybody. And before you know it, the Steelers win the game like 29-24. The emergence of Willie Parker happened. He rushed for 115 yards that game. Nobody even know who knew who he was. So those things tend to happen. I don't think that you got that capability this year, at least with skilled players, because you know, you're going to see Deontay Johnson play. You're going to see Chase Claypool play. You're going to see James Washington play. These are guys who have played all season. 
I mean, can you going to throw Ray Ray McLeod in there and think he's going to be a guy that, you know, shines? I don't think so. Running backs, I think Connor and I think Benny Snell are going to play as well. Maybe Anthony McFarlane is a guy you have to look out for. They like him, a rookie out of Maryland running back, but he's been, you know, he's been active for some games, inactive for other games as well. So I don't think there's one guy that you're going to really have to worry about of just showing up and saying, where'd this guy come from? Unless Mason Rudolph. I mean, Mason Rudolph, as I mentioned before, Zach, and I am now a little interested in you just poo-pooing him all the time here. The, he's going to come out and have a monster game, and everybody in Cleveland is going to hate you. Well, I think they do already, but <laughs> <laughs> hate you a little bit more here. But, I mean, what a what a per- – you couldn't actually – if you look – of Mason Rudolph's point of view, can you potentially have a better situation than going to Cleveland where you absolutely were terrible, your career just got derailed, your head got bashed in, you were called a whole bunch of names after that and accused of a bunch of other stuff after that, to go there and beat them and knock them out of the playoffs? I mean, that would be a better story than draft day in a movie. And that movie's awful. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Um, look, the Browns until last week, Mark, avoided bad losses all year long. And that's important. And this team, specifically offensively, is completely different than the team that came into Pittsburgh and got its teeth kicked in in the first four minutes and, and for the next 56, too. You know, back in mid-October, um, the offense went its whole is just much more comfortable clicking. They're doing different things with the quarterback. The run game still sets up everything. They lost their identity last week. You know, they lost their receivers and they didn't have their line and they couldn't get to where they wanted to get. But I I totally expect different from the Browns. Now, into week 18, I don't know. We have to see it, right? Um, but I would think with everything at stake, with the expected return of Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins, um, you know, I, I think the Browns just come out and I just think the Browns are better than Pittsburgh's team this Sunday. You know, what happens in week 18, I don't know, but like, I think it would take, and I remember that I, I didn't remember it going as far back as 2004, but I remember this, that Steelers team whipping a Bills team that needed to get in. But I, I just see the Browns, I guess for the first time in a long time, Mark, I see the Browns last week as an exception rather than the rule. And I see a team that's prepared to see the, seize their moment here. I mean, let's just put this in perspective here. What happens if the Browns do lose a 10-win team, lose to the Steelers, who don't play half their players to miss the playoffs? What an offseason that would be in Cleveland, I wouldn't it, Zach? Well, it certainly would dampen things. Um, <laughs> it, it has been a successful season. By any measure, by multiple measures, but it certainly would dampen things. But I just think if you look at Hayward and Tewitt not being out there at all or or not past the first couple drives, mm-hmm. if you look at T.J. Watt needing the maintenance, if you look at Joe Hayden's age and all that stuff, I mean, I just think Hunt and Chubb, if necessary, will make the plays. Mm-hmm. The defense forces yeah, one turn. I think they make the. I think they make the plays, even if they do even if they do have their entire defense out there. I mean, I think Chubb and Hunt are that good. And that one hill, you know, that one cut downhill running 
especially by Hunt, is something the Steelers have always struggled with, regardless of who was in there. So, but it's all going to be depends who's available as well. I mean, the Steelers went through some of that that COVID close contact thing and didn't really, you know, really didn't hurt them because they were eligible to come off the practice that the practice on a Saturday before Sunday game. So uh, who knows if somebody else comes down with it, if key or close contact or, you know, more people get into the hot tub, then all of a sudden that changes things real quickly. But uh, let's hope that doesn't. I mean, let's hope they have their full team here. I think the NFL will be better with Cleveland in the playoffs. I don't know if I want to see Cleveland two two weeks in a row, and I don't know if I want to talk to you two weeks in a row. But <laughs> well, you only have to drive over here once because if we do it again next weekend, it'll be. Um, for those guys listening, if you haven't read, if you don't know, um, if everybody wins, if the Browns are in a four-team tie at eleven and five, they get in as a seven seed and they'll go to Buffalo. If if Buffalo beats Miami this weekend, and the Ravens and Colts both win, the Browns will be in as the six. And then they would go to Pittsburgh next week. Um, I think all those teams, except the Buffalo game, are at least a touchdown favorites, right, to win. So if if chalk happens, and if Buffalo just wins, then I mean, it, you look at the games. I mean, you know, I think everything should fall in Cleveland's place. All they got to do is make sure they take care of their business. And uh, depending on what happens in Buffalo, then you're playing. Pittsburgh again next week, or you're in the guard in, in the playoffs one way or, or another. It's going to be very difficult. Like I do believe I'm not playing again next week, and I don't know. I don't know what Buffalo is doing. I don't think Buffalo knows what they're doing yet. Miami needs that win to get in, so maybe they do pull off that upset, regardless of. I mean, what's the difference between a two and a three, really? I mean, really. Well, yeah, in this year especially, right, Mark? It's it's totally different yeah. in full stadiums and things like that. I mean, I I do think Buffalo wants two home games, right? Um, the other thing is, you know, how this breaks down. You don't want to have to play Baltimore in the first round, to me. And yeah. so, if Buffalo's the no, two. I think that's two. Yeah, I think that's two. The Steelers were played too, right? Buffalo, yeah. right? I right. mean, now they would play the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I mean, they've if one team that's been able to you know, minimize the effectiveness of Lamar Jackson over their, you know, three meetings that they played him over the past two years. It Steelers have been pretty good against him, but I wouldn't be wanting to play the Ravens right now as well because they have been red hot. Right. All right. Well, um, because we might be doing this again next week, um, we'll, we'll cut it short. You got work to do. So do I. We thank you, Mark. Um, and we'll see what happens. I guess one parting thought here, you know, do you think, and we'll revisit this next week, but do, if, if we talk next week, do you think the Steelers have it in them to rally and, and be a team that plays in the AFC Championship game? I think they have potential, yeah. I think they definitely have the potential to do that because look at the teams that are in the playoffs. I mean, if you're looking at Cleveland, they already beat them once. They already beat Tennessee. They beat Baltimore twice. You know what, for how bad they played against Buffalo and on national TV. They only allowed like 17 points to that offense. I believe they allowed a defensive score to make it 23 or whatever it is. They played right with those teams when they were playing, well, I mean, with Buffalo when they were playing their worst. But more have to have Steelers of, you know, the first 10 games of the season show up and the second half of the Colts show up. 
if you have the Steelers of Baltimore, Washington, Cincinnati show up in the first half of the Colts, man, you're out in the first round. So it's also going to depend on what Steelers show up. If they are able to use that momentum they had against the Colts, regardless of what happens in Cleveland, I think they have a shot. But I mean, it's all going to be up to them because we've seen that they can lose to anybody. You know, they don't have to be good. So they can get a – I mean, we're talking 10-11 win teams in the playoff they're going to play in the first round. We're not going to have no gimme. We're not going to have like 2000 – I think 7-16 or whatever it is when they play a bad Miami team in the first round of the playoffs. That's not going to happen. So I guess that's the whole thing, though, Zach. The whole AFC is like this. Anybody can win. And I think anybody can lose, too, including the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm not too sold on those teams just rolling right through to the AFC Championship. Well, so I, I, right now I'm sold as the best two teams, but you're right. I, I, I'm, I'm not betting on those teams to get there. Um, and, I, and I agree, Mark. Like, next weekend, no matter where it is, I will not be surprised if the Browns' offense clicks and, and they score 40 points and they're a pain in somebody's ass. And I also will not be surprised if their defense melts and gives up 40 and, and they go home with a 17-point loss. And you can say that about every single team in the AFC, I think. At least, you know, the bottom five. I mean, I mean, the Titans are good when they're good, and they're bad when they're bad. And you can say that about every other team. Maybe Miami is the only team that's not like that, I don't think, if they happen to get in. But the Colts can be a pain in somebody's rear end, too, if they, if they get in as well. I saw what they were able to do, you know, firsthand last week in that first half. They were stunningly good. All right, well, come here for the hard-hitting analysis and stay for the admission that we don't have a freaking clue of what's going to happen. Um, thanks, Mark Caboli. Thank you guys for listening. Deep breath, Browns fans. Enjoy it. I mean it. I know you won't take a deep breath, but just enjoy it. We'll talk to you soon on Civilized Barking.